You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, this is Scott Galloway, NYU professor, best-selling author, serial entrepreneur, and the host of the Prop G Markets podcast. For nearly two years, Prop G Markets has brought listeners unfiltered analysis on high-flying stocks, burgeoning sectors, stupid acquisitions, and master of the universe CEOs. Starting May 20th, Prop G Markets is launching a new feed with two episodes per week. What a thrill! The good news? I know how to get your rich. The answer? It's on Prop G Markets. Don't miss out. Listen and subscribe to Prop G Markets wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome to Between the Links. With your host... Mike Heck. Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to a brand new edition of Between the Links right here on MMAfighting.com. Before we get into everything, this week, as you can probably tell by now, it's going to be an audio-only version of the show. Our producer, Casey Lydon, is on vacation. The man deserves a vacation, as does Esther Lynn. So no video this week, but it will return next week. Just in time for a brand new episode of the show. We apologize for that, but don't you worry, friends. We have the matchup you have all wanted to see, and I guess here, for a while now. It's finally going down here on BTL. Let us introduce the combatants first. I was going to call him the challenger, but he's kind of not the challenger. He is the interim BTL title holder. I know it happened a few weeks ago, so you may have forgotten about that when he defeated Alex K. Lee. Now... He attempts to become the first three-time champion in this iteration of the program. From MMAfighting.com, Mr. Jose Youngs, how are you, sir? I am fantastic. I'm not an interim champion. I am the reigning defending champion. I am a three-time Between the Links champion. So me and Muhammad Ali, two former former three-time champs. So, you know. We'll just call it. Call, we'll just say what it is. Uh, I'm real curious who you have for my challenger. Are you? I keep hearing about this guy. I've never heard of him. Uh, I think I'd seen him on Twitter now and then, trolling or doing whatever. God knows what, saying things that he would never say to people in person. But uh, yeah, I'm real interested who this uh, Judd fellow is. Uh, you keep talking about him, so bring him forth. Yes, 45 seconds into the show, and we already have somebody comparing himself to Muhammad Ali. So this is a, an excellent start to the program. As we introduce the man who is once again the Between the Links champion after he avenged his prior loss to Sean Ross Sapp, and now he's back to take on his bitter rival in his next title defense from MMAfighting.com, the king of hot takes himself, and the soon-to-be Cam Soda Fight Circus Underground brand ambassador, Jed Mishu. How are you, champ? I'm doing very well here. You know, just really great. I finally have a challenger that I'm just going to put in the dirt, and he wants to compare himself to Ali, but really, I, I think I'm much more the Ali guy because I'm just so pretty that I think this is a little bit of dog dog crap here i wanted to use a different word there going no cameras when obviously just giving me the the full front face view is just going to dominate jose young so i i'm i i feel again you stack the cards against me but 
doesn't matter. Just like last time, I overcome every time. Well, there you go. Let's just get right into this thing because otherwise you guys would be talking trash for the next five minutes. But No, I talk trash. He just talks nonsense. Oh, boy. Well, let's 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 discuss some MMA. Let's discuss this past Saturday night's event in Las Vegas. In the main event, Alexander Rakic defeats Anthony Smith via unanimous decision. He battered Lionheart early with leg kicks, sort of set the tone for how the fight played out. Now, if you told me that Rakic would win the fight mostly because he stayed on top and dominated the ground control, probably wouldn't have believed you, but that's what happened on Saturday, and he gets a big win. Now, the win is always the most important thing in these fights, but in a division that has opened up a little bit with John Jones vacating the title, this is a time where contenders have an opportunity like never before to emerge into title contendership. So people are kind of questioning whether or not Rackage did that on Saturday night. So Jed Mishu, we're going to start with you, sir. When it comes to Alexander Rackage, how much did his stock improve after Saturday night? His stock stayed the same. Like I'm, Look, Alexander Rakic, I guess he got a win. Anthony Smith, we're still going to pretend that Anthony Smith is really good as a light heavyweight because he won three three good fights and then hasn't really done much since. I know he beat Alexander Gustafsson, but we all think Gustafsson shot at this point, right? I think that's just logic. So I, I don't know, man. I thought uh, coming into this fight, Rakic should have been undefeated. Um, you know, that, that split decision loss to Uzdemir was trash. So he should have been able to build on this. And frankly, he should have just looked better. Like, not not, not going to quibble here. He had Smith hurt early and then just laid on him a bunch. Like, get the win, I guess. Good for you, my guy. But he, he could have stopped that. He could have put an emphatic victory down to stake his claim. And what you are right, you said this is, this is the next title fight. You know, like, it, things are open. Anything could happen. And now he's going to sit behind, I would assume, the uh, the winner of the upcoming uh, Tiago Santos uh, Glover Teixeira fight is probably going to get the next crack at the belt. So Rockage is going to have to get in there again. Like I, I think he missed a huge opportunity to make a statement, and so now he's just another guy in a division that is suddenly desperate for someone to stand out. Jose, do you agree with that? Because you know, no matter how the win is, typically your stock will improve like at least a little bit. Do you agree that he has not moved at all here? Maybe move backwards. He, what do you think? He's the same. His performance was as I it was fine. It was like the Bill Miller or Sam Cassell of performances. It's just he's fine, above average, I guess. Doesn't Sam really move Cassell up had right the now. big balls dance at least, man. Come on, there was nothing here. It was fine. It just existed. Like it was three rounds and I watched it on TV. I would describe it as, I don't know, a Honda Civic of a performance. It's fine, serviceable. It moves up, I guess maybe one spot in front of Vulcan Ozemir, but me, just like Azunarachik are undefeated we've never lost outside of a couple odd judges um i think he's got to fight jerry prohaska next i think that's the fight to make jerry prohaska obviously sends falcon ozdemir to the shadow realm on on fight island if they need a fight island fight a main event i think that's an awesome fight uh for the next shot at the title after globe to share tiago santos of course uh, i think they've both uh deserve the winner of that deserves it and maybe the loser fights faces uh as an erratic but who cares i just want to see joe prohaska ratchet that's violence if uh written all over it if prohaska fights like he did against vulcan ozdemir and puts his hands down a lot and beckoning him to fight i think he might eat a baseball bat of his shin across the temple and then it would be a bad night for joe prohaska but as an stayed exactly where he is and that's kind of what you need in the light heavyweight division right now until these next few fights play out jose i, I have to bring this up because people have been commenting about it Ratchik? Sure. Ratchik? 
I don't know. It doesn't. He if he wants to come tell me, that's fine. But <laughs> okay. I'm not until I hear from the man's mouth. I'm not going to correct myself. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Jed, do do you agree with him? Yuri's the fight to make here and and do it for five rounds because I feel like Zabit's kind of in the same boat. Like you can't give you a title shot until you have a five round fight. Is Yuri versus Alexander Rakic is this main event worthy in your opinion? It's 205. Of course it's not main event worthy. Title fights aren't main event worthy at 205. If it's John Jones, that's a different story. Come on, man. Like uh, The entire reason I would say no is because I don't want to have to watch five rounds of that in case that fight doesn't turn into the violent spectacle that it's probably likely to. I mean, hell, coming into this, we would have thought that this fight would be a violent spectacle, and then he just laid on Anthony Smith for 15 minutes. So if he does that for 25, like that's that's not anything we want. Uh you know, if you want to make it a main event because you should get a main event fight before you fight for a title, who am I to quibble with that, I suppose? But that feels more like a co-main event fight to a fight night than me because I know we know who Yuri is, Yuri Prochaska. Does anyone else really know that? Like, it's you got to build that brand. You can't just run them out of the top. And I think the same sort of applies here with Rakic. So, sure, I mean, it's fine. You're kind of stuck with what you got with the top contenders at light at 205, but... That division's garbage. That division should just be folded up in general. So I'm not really trying to get more main events out of that division. <laughs> fold fold up the 205-pound division? Everything north of 185 is heavyweight. Just just do that. That's it. They should do the same thing with uh, women's 145. Anything north of 125 is bantamweight or women's heavyweight. Everybody's in the same pool. Go, go run wild. We don't need to separate out when there just aren't the bodies for it. 205 I mean look at the 205 division right now half of it's blown up middleweights like it's just it's a bad division it's been a bad division since like 04 it's just it's trash it's trash man <laughs> your response to that Jose well looking at the top 5 off the top of my head I think only, I would probably categorize Tiago Santos and Anthony Smith as the only true blown up middleweights cuz Alexander Ratchik is not making 185 Jared Prohaska is not making 185 Glove to share Jan Blahovich, Dominic Reyes. They are not making 185. So those are all natural 205ers. It is incredibly shallow, uh, as uh, Dean Thomas said on the A side. Like, let's call it for what it is. It kind of sucks. I, I I actually do agree with Jed Mishu there. But there's at least some interest now. Without John Jones, we can see who who wins the title. And I agree. Until you beat John Jones, you can't really be considered the 205-pound champion. But it is what it is. I don't really care if they fold it or not. Uh, if they want to move it up to heavyweight or just basically add a 195 cruiserweight division, if that's what you want to call it. Oh, I, don't God, really care no. I don't really care either. Uh, but for now, just keep it for where it is. But I would completely disagree on the blown up middleweights thinking off the top. Like Nikita Krylov is not making 185 either. I think he's somehow still in the top 10. Misha Serkinov's not making 185. He's probably somewhere in the top 10. Johnny Walker might be somewhere up there. He's like 6'6". So... Not blowing up middleweights. There's been a lot of middleweights moving up, like Raw Cold, Jacare, and this and that, Wyman. They all went back down. So there's a lot less blowing up middleweights than uh, my young uh, challenger uh, is saying. Did you have anything else to add to that, Jed? I mean, I love that he at least knows my name now, like he didn't know it the whole time. And he agreed with everything I said and then just tried to piggyback off my brilliance. So sounds like a challenger to me. Jose, if we weren't in 2020... Is Alexander Rakic versus Yuri Prohashka a main event? If we're not in 2020, 
that's uh i mean I'm, the ufc loves to put these weird random 205 pound fights as the main events like we saw anthony smith and alexander gustin headline a card in sweden when they were both coming off losses to john jones so yeah like 100 percent would be a, a main event does it deserve it that's another conversation but the ufc loves these real random odd main events especially for flight island now uh, I can't imagine Jared Perhas is getting to the U.S. Alexander Ratchik is obviously from that part of the world, too. So if it's a fight island fight, so be it. But I think this is going to be a main event regardless at any point of the UFC's iteration just because of the history the UFC has done. I would love to be in the room when Alexander Rakic gets a contract and he finds out I got a fight coming up and he called for a title shot and then he gets Yuri Prohashka. He's not going to be too, too thrilled with that, but it is what it is. That's just where this division is. That's 2020 in a nutshell right there. But I thought Yuri was going to get the winner of the, that fight regardless of what happened unless Rakic mm-hmm. just destroyed Anthony Smith in the first minute and a half. But here we are. First point he should have. Yeah. He should have destroyed him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think if it, was, if it was five rounds, maybe. He would have had two more rounds to work. It might not have been so grind him out. But, God, I, I would not want to wish five rounds of that fight on anyone. Well, we're going to get more rounds of this fight. The first round and the point goes to Jed Mashu. He is on the board as we head to our next question. Sticking with the other side of that fight, let's take a look at Anthony Smith. This is a man who has had his ups and downs in the sport. He's turned things around in his career. He got to a title shot with John Jones. Not a good showing for him, as, as he'll attest to in that fight, but not a great showing for him on Saturday night either. This is a guy who lost to Jones, bounced back with a great win over Alexander Gustafson, but he's lost his last two since then. Jose, we'll start with you. Anthony Smith is on a losing streak for the first time in seven years. His last six rounds have not been good. Before we, uh, you know, but before we get into what this may lead to, kind of a broad question to be fair, but what's going on with Anthony Smith in your opinion? I think he's just fighting people that figured him out. I mean, how many fights does he have? A thousand? He's like, I mean, he got cut from Strike Force. He's been cut from Bellator. He's lost on the regional scene. Lose, Anthony Smith losing is not something we've never seen before. It's not like someone all of a sudden, oh, Alexander Gus is on a two-fight losing streak. No, Anthony Smith has lost two in a row, and it is what it is. He's fighting better competition. Uh, he's just maybe – he's not a top five light heavyweight. Yeah, he's a good fighter. He has good skill set. Yeah, he's gritty. But grittiness only gets you so far. When you get a, when you fight someone that's six four and looks like a linebacker and in a ratchet, who can just control you like a big brother, or as I would say, as like I can, would control Jed in a street fight, then that's another story. But Anthony Smith is just face, is facing people who know how to beat him. We've seen it; it's happened a million times, and it is what it is. It's not like John Jones is losing two fights in a row. Is it that simple, Jed? He's facing people who know how to beat him because he's not good at fighting. Like I'm sorry, man. Like. I like Anthony Smith, Smith as a person. I think his last couple of years has actually raised his profile in a tremendous way to like now he's getting commentary gigs that he would have never gotten four years ago. Like he's just look at his record. Who is he beat that's good? Like the only ones are very recently and shot fighters. Like he was an also ran journeyman at middleweight his entire career. I know that's a word that people hate to use. But it's just true. He won as almost as many, or he won a loss almost as many as he won. Then he moves up to 205, and his run at 205 that got him a title shot. Let's be very clear: Rashad Evans washed, Shogun Hua washed, Volkan Ozdemir probably was never that good, and kind of just fell his way into a title shot. So it's a name. Then he got 
fight John Jones and lasted five rounds getting dominated by John Jones. Good on you for that, I suppose. His one really good win is Gustafson, and Gustafson now looks like he's just a washed fighter in general. And he was getting tuned up in that fight before he came with the comeback. Like, I think he's just not that good a fighter. He's a great dude and an okay fighter, but, I mean, yeah, what do you expect? You put him against good people, he's going to lose. Just like you put... Jose against me, he's going to lose the first round. He's going to lose the second round. He's going to lose the third round to be the first guy ever blanked on this show and <laughs> hang his head in embarrassment and walk away. Okay. Well, l- l- let's let's add to this a little bit because after the fight, what? Jen, what? I'm sorry. I woke up. I, I fell asleep when he was talking. Oh, God. Do not interrupt me, Jose. That's not good on your score. Uh-huh. But listen, a- Jed, after the fight, Anthony Smith says something to the effect of he has – some big decisions to make, essentially saying that he's a tweener, like too big for 85 because it would mean his whole lifestyle is going to have to change to get there. It's a year long thing. It's not something he could just cut down to, but he admits as Jose sort of alluded to, he doesn't have the strength and size against some of these bigger, stronger 205ers. It would seem the ideal scenario is one that you hate would be to add one of those extra weight classes. You know, Dana White doesn't want it. Jed doesn't want it, but 195 would be perfect for him. It's just not going to happen. So where does Anthony Smith go from here, Jed? Do you see his future still at 205? Just hit the weights hard and get stronger? Or maybe we go the other way and, and try to get back to 85? No, you just stay at 205. Like, fighter, I don't, I just genuinely don't understand this tweener argument. And that goes all the way down, you know, to 165. Like, are you, is it really that big a difference? Like, if you had a 195, is that 10 pounds? That's the make or break? Like, no. You didn't lose to Rockic because he was too big and too strong. That maybe played a role, but you just got beat up, man, and, like, take it. Like, take your L. It's okay to have limitations be other people are better than you. Like, and God, no, don't give me a 195. That is that is going in the opposite direction of correct here. So I, you just stay at 205. Get faster. Develop your skills a little better. Frankie Edgar, who fought two weekends ago, he just fought at Bantamweight, won a title at 155, like, it wasn't the division wasn't too big for him. Like I just always think that's an excuse for you not being good enough to get it done. And you know, fighters have that internally. They want to believe they're the best. They have to believe, and that's okay. But I think it's dead wrong here. Like just take your L, take your medicine, move on. Jose, do you think Anthony Smith's future is at 205, or is he just overhaul everything and and drop back down? I think it's 205, and I think it's a little. I sort of agree with what Douglas said, but like, but the gap between 185 and 205 is 20 goddamn pounds. That is a lot of weight. It's not like one. It's not like going from 145 to 155 like Frankie didn't drop back down to 135. Like, yeah, that's a 20 pound gap. But who did he beat? Beat BJ Penn. And uh, my challengers talk about washed fighters. BJ Penn's been washed about 10 years. Beats up Gray Maynard a few times, who's now, who then dropped to 145 too. Cuts to 145. Wins a whole bunch. Fights a massive 145 or Max Holloway loses. Fights a big 145 or Brian Ortega loses. So the comparison is there on paper, but it just doesn't have. 20 pounds is huge for an athlete, especially one that has to cut weight. So I don't care if they had a 195. I don't really care if they had a 165 or the 195 uh, sucks a lot of life away from an already shallow 205 pounds and probably takes a few fighters from 185 too. I don't care if they add it or not, but if I'm Anthony Smith, I just stay at 205 because the path to the title, if that's what he wants, is a lot shorter than going through murder's row at 185. Was that extra weight helping him, you know, when he was losing to 
uh, Diego uh, Cesar Ferreira? Like, no. And was that extra weight a problem when he was knocking out Shogun? No. Like, that extra weight became a problem because it's a good answer for losing, not, man, I just got beat. Like, that's it. He just got beat. It's fair. It's he did get beat, but I would also say Shogun should not is is not the biggest two oh five or neither is Rashad Evans. So if he's gonna fight a real light heavyweight like John Jones and Ratchik, he's gonna lose every time. You fight someone like Rashad Evans who's fought at one eighty five and looked real bad, lost to freaking Dan Kelly, uh, and then he fights Shogun who I think should have been a one eighty five or his whole career. It's a little different than fighting a six four, two hundred five pound Ratchik. I agree with my my challenger. Every time Anthony Smith fights John Jones, he will lose. That is astutely pointed out and yes. has nothing to do with the size difference. Jed, you seem to be against adding these weight classes. A lot of people yes. want it. Why are you against it? Because it's unnecessary. Like they're, I think I I think all of those answers are always just an excuse. Like smaller people can succeed. This is fine. I don't want us to have 500 weight classes. I don't want us to have a light heavyweight already. So, of course, I'm against the cruiser weight. It's it's just unnecessary. I mean, if you do it and you do it at the lighter weight classes, I guess it's fine because at least at, you know, 145 and 155 have such a large pool of talent that you added a 150. It would devalue some of those belts, but at least the fights would still be interesting. But the higher up you do it, it's just you're giving titles to people who – are and the Anthony Smiths of the world are getting titles. And again, really great dude, not a really great fighter. I want my belts to mean something, which I know is childish because it's the UFC. Belts haven't meant anything for years, if ever. Jose, it's interesting because Jed just laid out perfectly. Anthony has a bright future out of the octagon. You know, he does a great job breaking fights down. He's very well spoken. You could definitely see him doing some color commentary in the future. Great guy, family man, et cetera. And it's hard to ask questions like this because he is such a good guy, but it's part of the job to talk about this stuff. Anthony Smith has gone down some dark roads and come back and got to a title shot. Are his best days officially behind him? Can he catch lightning in a bottle again? Yeah, 100. His, his best days have been behind him. He just, he just fought a couple wash fighters and won, and now he's fighting guys who are in their prime, and he's losing. It is what it is. Uh, but to say Anthony Smith is in the prime of his career would be a folly. I mean, he hasn't been in the prime in a very, very, very long time. So if he wants to keep fighting, he's an adult. He's a grown man. He can make his own choices. I'm never going to tell a fighter to retire or not. I would suggest he probably retires, but if he wants one more to see where he's at, Again, he is an adult grown man. I'm not going to tell an adult grown man what to do with his career. My name is not Jed Mishu, and I do not say things like that. Um, but it is what it is. Give him one more fight, and then he can ride off into the sunset and be a color commentator. Any chance he can rekindle this, Jed, or is, is it all behind him? No chance. No, he can't rekindle it. You Lightning doesn't strike twice, and that's all this was. I think he doesn't need to retire. I mean, I, I begrudgingly will agree with Jose. I'm not one to tell fighters when they need to do something. You're a grown-ass man. You can make your own choice. Um, and he can make a lot of money fighting. And I think that he's at least shown enough not to be like, oh, crap, Anthony Smith's going to fight. He's going to get knocked out in a brutal fashion. So if he wants to keep going, sure. Um, I, I suggest all fighters retire because there are like three fighters in history that it's actually been a good career decision to do this. So I always suggest fighters should retire. So, yeah, Anthony Smith should retire on, on those you know grounds, but – you know, not from a physiological standpoint. He's not totally shot. His chin's still holding up. He's okay if he wants to keep going and keep getting them checks, man. Uh, given the way it is, he'll probably get another main event on Fight Island. 
Well, we all love a, a comeback story, gentlemen. I mean, he's done it before. Maybe he could do it again. But I think there's only one fight that makes sense. That's Luke Rockhold. Let's just book it. 205, 185. It doesn't matter. Do it at 205. But just don't do it. And don't do it for win that fight. He knows how to throw a left hook, so he can win that fight. <laughs> well, since we love a comeback story, point for round two goes to Jose Young. So he has even things up as we go from one tough conversation to another. As we saw the return of the former UFC welterweight champion, Robbie Lawler, on Saturday night. Jed, you and Sean were both in agreement that, yeah, it was cool to see Robbie's name on the card, but the matchup wasn't ideal, and that's exactly how it turned out. It was a complete one-sided win for Neil Magny in the co-main event of UFC Vegas 8. Robbie just couldn't pull the trigger at all. He shot for a takedown early, and it was just, just a weird thing to watch. And the narrative surrounding Robbie Lawler is that the wars that he's had with Rory McDonald and Carlos Condit, the knockout loss to Tyron Woodley. This was the beginning of the downfall and eventually the beginning of the end. He's lost four in a row. He's lost five out of six. Jed, after seeing what happened on Saturday night, and, you know, we know what you want to see. It's a fight with Anderson Silva. Although by all indications, that is probably unlikely at this point. Where does Robbie Lawler realistically go from here? He goes to Anderson Silva. <laughs> I don't give a crap about realism. Like, that's the fight. That is the fight. I have one other one just because I know you'd make me do it anyway. That's the only fight. Like, I learned nothing on Saturday. I knew going into that event that Neil Magny would win in exactly the fashion he did. It happened. We learned nothing. Robbie Lawler is not the same fighter he once was. And Magny's just a really bad style matchup for the fighter he now has become. He throws a lot of volume. Robbie doesn't. He's not really there to get hit a lot. It's just not a great opportunity for him. But against a washed Anderson Silva, they can both just go out there and have a very slow-paced, fun, legend fight. That would be awesome. It's the fight that makes sense. Just book it. Like, does anybody actually care about Anderson Silva versus Uriah Hall? Does anyone at all other than Uriah Hall's immediate family? No. No one gives two craps about that. So just book the Robbie Lawler fight. That fight's amazing. That fight would be good. It's way better than Anderson trying to fight Anthony Pettis or Connor or some nonsense like that. Book that one. But if they're not going to book that one, you mentioned the guy you should fight next. God knows why Carlos Condit still insists on fighting, um, and that's really heartbreaking in a lot of fashion. Uh, but run that back. That's, for my money, the greatest fight that's ever been, uh, other than Kimbo Dada. So... <laughs> You know, and that's that's a tough one to beat. So other than that, it's the best fight of all time. It's the best UFC fight in history. They're both washed, so you're not going to get the same version of it. But we have seen time and again when the UFC does run out those kind of garbage old man fights from, you know, yesteryear that were good, thinking specifically Shogun Little Nog. Like, their third run was – that was a fun fight. It wasn't the best fight of the year or anything, and it was a little sad to watch how far, they, how far they'd fallen – but that fight was really good still, and do the same thing. Carlos Condon and Robbie Lawler are going to have a fun fight if you put them. Make that a main event. I would way rather have five rounds of that fight over five rounds of Rackage versus whoever that nonsense kid on the other end of this camera is. <laughs> well, you're not excited for Carlos Condon versus Court McGee? No. No, I'm not. That's... I don't. Why would you match Carlos Condit against anyone who wrestles frequently? Like that's just the dumbest idea you can possibly have. Carlos Condit's just going to lay there, try and throw up triangles, not succeed, and lose a decision to Court Friggin McGee. Like book him against Robbie Lawler. Know your audience, Sean Shelby. Come on. Where does Robbie Lawler go from Saturday night, Jose? 
Uh, Mike Perry. That's literally the only fight I want to watch. It's in the same weight class. They're definitely not going to wrestle. It is the polar opposite in terms of personalities. Mike Perry is basically a human rooster who just walks around like squawking at everything, doing weird movements with his head and body. And Robbie Lawler doesn't go outside or talk to humans. He, I, I love, love, love fights where it's just one man staring and one man just acting a fool. And that is the definition of Mike Perry versus Robbie Lawler. I know Mike Perry put out his weird, like, make a wish foundation list of fighters who have called him out. Robbie Lawler is not going to call anyone out. Uh, he's not going to fight for the title ever again. Uh, I actually think he lost to Carlos Condit. You can make an argument he lost to Johnny Hendricks. Uh, that's that second fight. And then obviously, what what would that be? He, uh, he So he lost to Johnny Hendricks was losing to Rory McDonald before he broke his face. I think he lost to Carlos Connett, gets crushed by Tyron Willie, and then beats Cerrone, and then now he's on that four-fight losing streak. So this all of a sudden, quote, drastic decline of Robbie Lawler has been in a long time coming. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with uh, my competitor that Condit-Lawler is the best fight of all time, but I put it top five, but I also think Robbie Lawler lost. And because he lost to Johnny Hendricks, I don't, I'm not as surprised as everyone else that this sh- drastic decline in ruthless Robbie Lawler's tapping. He's still a terrifying man. If they want to book him against Anderson Silva, whatever. It's 2020. Crazier things have happened. But for my money, I want to see Mike Perry versus Robbie Lawler because someone is going to bet in that fight. Yeah, that's someone's Robbie Lawler. My opponent sure. wants the old man to get hurt, and I, I'd rather at least him have a fighting chance against, I agree, a guy he got a bogus decision over for the title anyway. Carlos Condit, the welterweight champion of the world at one point in time, he was robbed, and I'd like to see them run that back instead of watching Mike Perry, of all people, get to be the one to to put Robbie Lawler out like and away. That, that, no, I don't want it. That's a shameless fanboy, and I don't care. Do you think Mike Perry deserves that opportunity, Jose, after everything he's done? Deserves through? what? What deserves what? Fighting a guy in a four-fight losing streak? But yeah, there's a name attached to him, though. There's the cachet of fighting Robbie Lawler. Depend- and now it doesn't matter on the losing streak. It's Robbie and now Lawler. That- and now there's a name attached to Mike Perry for acting a fool outside of the octagon. I guarantee you I would completely favor Mike Perry in that fight. But the, the people who want to tune in and watch Mike Perry get beat down, the guy who screams the N-word at people, the guy who's uh, just the most ridiculous human being in the UFC right now, I don't care. Uh, I want to watch that fight. Will Robbie Lawler lose? Probably. But I think Mike Perry has a name, too. So a, a guy with a name versus a guy with a name, two people that are going to fight for the title anytime soon that are probably going to try to put each other in the ground, I'm fine with it. All right, so sort of building on that, you know, Robbie's reputation precedes him. No matter who he fights, you just, there's still a part of us that's like, yay, Robbie Lawler's fighting. Like, I can't wait to tune in. And then we all seem to be sort of let down with what happened. And you know, nobody likes to look at Robbie Lawler in the light that we're looking at him right now. And we hate throwing out the R word, but Jed, l- 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 let me present this question this way, because we're not the ones to tell people that they should retire or not. But if Dana White was at the post-fight press conference on Saturday, there is no doubt he would have been asked about Robbie Lawler in his future. So Jed, you get to be Dana White here. What do you think Dana would have said had he been in, in attendance on Saturday night and was asked that question? Man, see, this is where you're killing me with the no camera because I would have just started getting real mad and getting my face really blotchy and red <laughs> so I could Dana up here. But uh, I think it would go something like this, yada, yada, yada. You goof, he can fight as long as he wants to. He's a former champion. And, you know, it's hard to argue with that point. Like, he is. He's a grown man and can make his own decisions. And 
Robbie Lawler has earned the right to dictate when he wants to exit this sport because he's not getting sparked. Like he got sparked by Tyron Woodley. Okay. Everyone in the world has the ability to get sparked by Tyron Woodley. He, you know, he's been in there. Like he's competitive. He's lost some fights. The Askren loss was a little bit trash, but that, you know, he didn't get knocked out. He's, he's still there. He went with Colby Covington for 15 minutes. And that's, that's a tough fight for him to kind of hold up to that deluge of offense. So, you know, he wants to keep fighting. I'm not opposed to it. I think you just need to level set with him a lot better. And you're not – stop giving him top ten opponents. Neil Magny was going to beat him the whole time. I know he's still ranked based on, you know, his name value. But, no, he needs to be on the Legends Tour. He needs to fight Carlos Condit. He needs to fight Anderson Silva. My, my opponent, again, making my argument for me, yeah, uh, he needs to fight a guy with a name, a guy who's going to try and knock him out. But he just forgot to add, he also needs to fight a guy who he has the ability to beat. It's not an interesting fight to watch him fight Mike Perry. Mike Perry's just going to knock him out. Carlos Condit, either man can win that fight. Same with Anderson Silva. Legends tour, that's the move. What do you think, Jose? Because I I feel like Dana would have said something to the effect of, you know, I effing love that guy. He's a warrior. But, yeah, I think we need to have a discussion. What do you think he would have said? Well, first of all, he lost to Robbie. Uh, Robbie Lawler lost to Colby Covington in 25 minutes. That was a main event on the newer card, not 15 minutes. Uh, but I'll I'll give it to him. He's never watched MMA until probably about a year ago, so it is what it is. But uh, I I'm not even going to pretend to be Dana White because I'm not a gross human being and I don't want to feel that vibe. But Dana White would probably something say, blah 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 blah. You start to have to have that conversation as soon as you have one foot out the door. It's better. It's best to hang him up. Maybe I'll have a conversation with Robbie Lawler. Yada 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 yada. But Robbie Lawler is not going to have that conversation with Dana White because Robbie Lawler doesn't have a conversation with anyone outside of his coaches. <laughs> uh, it's, it's hard to get two words uh, out of his out of a conversation with Robbie Lawler, let alone a full on. Should you retire? Should you hang them up conversation? So, uh, no, I don't. Dana White's not going to have that conversation with Robbie Lawler because Robbie Lawler's not having that conversation with anyone outside of his family and his team. I'm not a gross guy, says the dude trying to get Robbie Lawler lit up by Mike friggin' Perry. Come on, that's that's some real Dana White matchmaking right there. Don't don't come at me with that nonsense. Uh huh. <laughs> One thing that is almost unfair with this whole thing is that this conversation, and it has been since Saturday night, it's been more about Robbie Lawler losing than Neil Magny winning. Like, this is a big win for Neil Magny. Having Robbie Lawler on your resume, losing streak or not, that does mean something, and he deserves a lot of credit for taking Robbie out of his game and and dictating the entire fight, probably after Robbie shot for that first takedown. He's two wins away from tying for the most wins in UFC welterweight history. He deserves a big fight after that win. What should that fight be, Jed Mishu? I disagree. This is not a big win. Sure, Robbie Lawler has a name that people know. Again, he's lost four in a row and just he's not there anymore. This is a timing win. It, I don't think this moves him up any in any fashion. Maybe it gives him slightly more cachet. But really, it doesn't because he didn't even knock him out. Like He didn't finish Robbie Lawler. He just won a clear decision over the balance of, of the fight. So, I mean, who, give him... I don't know. There are a lot of kind of like middling middle or uh, welterweights to choose from here. Uh, Steven Thompson, I guess, maybe makes a little bit of sense. You could always just do Leon Edwards because God knows everyone hates Leon Edwards and he's not going to fight Jorge Masvidal because why would Jorge Masvidal do that to himself? He has far better opportunities than facing Leon Edwards. So I pick anybody in the top 10, throw a dart at the back half of that. 
you could do Tyron Woodley when Tyron Woodley inevitably loses to Colby Covington. And so then Neil Magny just goes on, a, I'm going to beat old guys who are washed tour. That'd be kind of fun, I guess. Um, you know, a- anything is fine. Neil Magny's just not a guy you're going to get excited about. He's a meat and potatoes dude who is actually a really good fighter. Jose, what do you think? Uh, I want to see the Neil on Neil fight or the Vicente Luque fight. I don't want to give him fighters coming off a loss. Steven Thompson is a really fun fight, but I don't think, I, and Steven Thompson would take that fight. Uh, but I, Neil Magny's what, ranked 14, 15 or something like that. I know RDA is going back to lightweight. So everyone automatically moves up one slot by default. It is what it is. They want to make the Michael Chiesa fight. They've been talking about that fight forever, but Michael Chiesa is very adamant that he's not going to fight anyone beneath him. Uh, so, Magni, I mean, Neil on Neil or Vicente Luque. I like both of those fights. Uh, if Jeff Neal isn't recovered in time, it is what it is. Vicente Luque seems down to fight anyone. I mean, he fought freaking Randy Brown, who's not even ranked at the time. So if he wants to fight another guy, uh, a volume fighter, uh, that'll bring the, bring the action, fine. Vicente Luque, Neil Magni sounds like a fun fight to me. Jed, where do we put Neil Magni? Because when you, when you start putting these win lists together and you see him having 17 welterweight wins two away from the great George St. Pierre, you start having these discussions. Where do we put Neil Magny on the list of all-time welterweights? Is he like a top 20 of all-time welterweights, top 10? Like, he's clearly one of the most underrated fighters that we've seen, but where would you put him on that list now that he's starting to, to sniff that territory with some of these bigger names? You and I run in very different circles if if you're starting to have that how great is Neil Magny from an all-time perspective. That I can honestly say that has never once come into my head as a discussion point. So everything you're getting right here is off the cuff and it, it's going to be Are you insane? Neil Magny is an underrated fighter, and if you want to have the all-time underrated fighters discussion, maybe he's in the top ten of that. Like I guess by virtue of just his success, maybe he's a top 20 welterweight all time, but that's, I mean, any, any top 20 ranking is just hogwash right out the gate. Like nobody's actually doing, doing the work to grind it out and select between 17 and 18. Like you're just picking names that you want at that point, your top five, maybe your top 10 are are tight. Everything after that is just throw them in a barrel, see what happens. Um, I mean, he has some okay wins, but the problem with Magny's career is all of his wins are against, like, the best names on his resume are all washed people, which is why I said he should fight Tyron Woodley. Like, Robbie Lawler when he beat him, washed. Carlos Condit when he beat him, washed. Johnny Hendricks when he beat him, washed. Like, those are the best names on his career, and they're all just old guys who are who need to be put out to pasture. So I don't think you can talk about him – seriously in the greatest of all time discussion like he's just one of those guys like jim miller is a great fighter and jim miller is much closer into the greatest like top 15 lightweights of all time discussion but you're talking similar career trajectories where they were never the guy they never are going to get to a title shot they were always kind of outside of that lower end top 10 guy for a really long time and because of their longevity they picked up a lot of wins but you can't have a serious conversation and say, oh, yeah, Neil Magny, top 10 fighter, top 10 welterweight of all time. That's just ridiculous. Jose, what do you think? I wouldn't put him top 10. Uh, it was, it's obviously you can't argue with numbers. If he breaks George St. Pierre, Pierre's record, it is what it is. That's awesome for him. Uh, George put something out like Hank Aaron did with Barry Bonds. Cool. It's a good little social clip. 
but he's not top 10. He's not even fought for a title yet. I think he's, what, headlined one card. If that, uh, I believe the Santiago Ponzinibbio, which he lost. Uh, for once, I actually do agree with my uh, challenger. He's beaten a lot of guys that were on the wrong side of their careers and lost to a lot of guys in the prime of their careers. Didn't take Lorenz Larkin seriously. He got absolutely pieced up, choked out by RDA, and then cried in the back, and then got crushed by Santiago Ponzinibbio. So not top 10. If you want to make top 15, top 20, cool. But let's have that conversation if and when he beats George St. Pierre's number. But again... I hold a lot more weight with GSP's title wins over uh, current Hall of Famers uh, and former champions than I do with uh, Neil Magny beating like Craig White and Lee Jiang Ling and Anthony Rocco Martin. So uh, even if he passes GSP, I would still hold GSP's uh, welterweight wins record in a lot higher regard. Oh, I would, I would definitely agree. Yeah, with that. obviously, <laughs> what sane human being wouldn't? Yeah, dude. Some of us think clearly. Some of, some of us. Uh, can formulate thoughts in our brain and put them out uh, for humans to understand. You should give it a shot sometime. If Neil Magny got 50 welterweight wins, I still don't. If he got, yeah, if he got like 30 wins under his belt, let's have that conversation, (laughs) but that's not happening for a while. He's he's still not jumping GSP. If if his 30 wins don't include any title fights, (laughs) no. It's like, if, is, is he going to become like the Michael Bisbing of the welterweight division until Bisbing just had to take an 11-day fight against Rockhold to get his title shot? Then we can have that conversation. And, Mike, we, they need to be real, real title wins, too, not like fake interim title wins that don't mean crap when you fight some guy randomly for an interim belt that's just garbage from top <laughs> to bottom. Those don't mean anything. He's got to get a real title, a championship belt on him, or else just completely disregard him as irrelevant. Well, 170 is still great. Will be for a long time. Where Neil Magny fits into that mix, time will tell. But the point goes to Jed Mishu. He's up 2-1. to one. Could you put him away here? We'll see as we head into our final question because this is the topic I'm, I've been looking forward to since we were chatting before we hit record. The UFC is back on Saturday night in Las Vegas with another star-studded event. This one headlined by a heavyweight <laughs> This one headlined by Alistair Overeem taking on the surging Augusto Sakai. Jose, let's start with you. Last week's panel, which includes your opponent, Jed Mishu, they poo-pooed last weekend's card in a big way, said it was really bad. They also said that leading up to UFC 253, the cards get better with each weekend that comes by on the road to September 26th. Now, most eyes surely are on September 19th with with Covington and Woodley, but comparing UFC Vegas 8 last Saturday with this weekend's splendid offering, is this one any better than last weekend's? This is a real bad card. This might be the worst card we've seen in an Apex where uh, Overeem is Overeem. He's obviously a big name, but he's never going to be a UFC champion. Then Augusto Sakai is coming off a split decision at heavyweight. Like, if a heavyweight fights to split decision, that's basically an L. You can't put your, your opponent away in 15 minutes. Not only that, what, did he fight Andre Arlovsky to a split decision? Two. Yeah, yeah he, fought, he fought Arlovsky to a split decision. You know who else fought Arlovsky to a split decision? Brendan Schaub. Like, that's who's in, like, yes, Brandon Schaub quote-unquote lost, but a split decision win at the heavyweight division is basically an L in my mind. So it is what it is. I guess they want to make Augusto Sakai a thing. They need some sort of young names at heavyweight. It didn't work out with Walt Harris when Overeem beat him. 
this is a bad card. I can't say it any other way. This is probably the worst card in the Apex. Who, who the co-main event is what? OSP Minifield. Wasn't that the co-main event of the Frankie Edgar Pedro Munoz fight? And we were saying that was the worst card of the Apex, and then that got bumped to this. OSP should have stayed a heavyweight. Like like Jed said, everything above 205 is heavyweight. Fine. Just make them fight. Just don't have these guys cut weight. They're not going to fight for the title anytime soon. Just show up two muscly black dudes and just throw haymakers at each other. Fine. And other than that, there's some names I recognize. Jar Eubanks is a name that I recognize. Michelle Pineda is don't even put him in media day. Just throw him in there and have him do quadruple backflips. Don't even fight someone. And I'd be more interested in that. And then what? Montana De La Rosa, I think, is on this car. Vivian Arugia. Those are names that I recognize, too. So not a good card. Not a real good card at all. Uh, I would probably on, on, on AK Lee's weird gymnastic <laughs> rating that he always gives where everything starts off with a rating. On a scale of 1 to 10, this is like a 2. And that's just because I recognize Overeem's name in the main event. Jed, what are your thoughts on this card? I'm, I'm sure you're going to be the, the positive one here and, and find all the great that nobody's seeing here. There's, there's not a lot of great to mine here. Uh, I'd also like to add on to uh, the future losers' comments there. Not only has Augustus guy won two split decisions, he lost a split decision to Czech Congo and has a majority oh. draw on his record. Like, this guy is not the next big thing at heavyweight, so we can just... We can just put those thoughts to bed. Look, <laughs> last week when we were talking about this, I did say that cards got progressively better in the build-up to 253, and I stand by that statement because last week this card was very different. Uh, Ricky Simone, Brian Kelleher was going to be a banger of a fight. Uh, Kevin Natividad stepping in is okay. It's uh, an LFA guy who's actually pretty fun and interesting uh, to watch, but that's not nearly as fun a fight as the Ricky Simone fight was going to be. Uh, Macy Chiesa and Sajara Eubanks, that was also a good fight, and now it's not. like This fight This fight card got hit a lot lately, but it's still better for one specific reason, and that reason is named Michelle Pahea. Like, that that's it that's all i need to watch this card he should be the main event he doesn't need it because the man just is incapable of going five rounds i'm confident in that he can barely go one and a half so like unnecessary to give him five rounds but this is the people's main event it doesn't matter who you match him up against uh any warm body is going to be good i mean if you could put him in there against jose it would still be a really entertaining fight to watch um zalim Abadev is not uh, a guy who's good so this will be fine like michelle Paye can actually do something ridiculous and get like a backflip ko win or something dumb or he'll get dq'd by also doing something dumb either way the price of admission is worth michelle Pahea, uh and that's just vastly better than anything else on this card and certainly anything on the card last weekend well, it's that it's that time on the show that we asked Jed Mishu for his Ed Herman versus Gerald Mearshart type uh, booking for this card because there's got to be something that sticks out to you that you just think is all sorts of wild and crazy that you know could tear things up. I mean, we got you pick Zach Cummings versus uh, DiCherico, and Cummings almost got a walk off KO at the end of the third round. So, anything stick out to you? Yeah, I mean, when you're picking underrated weird fights, you either need to go middleweight, which is a hilarious division, or you just go heavyweight because there's that's a really bad division and bad fights can often end funny. Uh, and so for my money, you got to go Marcos Hagerio, uh Lima versus Alexander Romanov. Uh, Alexander Romanov is coming off a slam KO, so... That's always just a good time. And then Marcos Rogero de Lima uh, is, I mean, he's, his average fight time is like 
90 seconds or something in the UFC, it feels like. he's Every time he's been in there, it's been really fun and dumb to watch. This is a guy who got Von Flu choked by OSP. Like, like he's win or lose, it's probably going to be throwing some things, and and that's that's just fun. So at least that's a more entertaining fight than the main event as far as heavyweights go, I think. Uh, I mean, couch that. There's always the possibility that it turns into a disaster, but that's the fun with heavyweight. You never know if you're going to get something good or some just absolute drivel. It's it's a toss up. Is there a weird wild one in your eyes, Jose? That you're just like, uh, <sighs> I don't. I'm not necessarily like completely interested in this but this could be chaos maybe tiago moises and jalen turner i mean it's lightweight lightweight deep those are names that i recognize i think jalen turner all of his losses are bought by knockout or something like that and all of tiago moises wins are by knockout or submission so chances are if moises wins it'll probably be by a stoppage they're neither guy is anywhere near the top 15 maybe even top 20 it's the first fight on the main card it is what what it was. Tiago Moises coming off what a crazy what was it Achilles lock or Achilles choke something like that whatever it was Anchor. against Michael Johnson. Yeah, yeah, it was something bizarre like that. So if we're gonna see a weird submission because I freaking love weird submissions. It's probably gonna be that one. So sure, I'll circle that one. I recognize those names. Weird submission. What are you talking about? My man Alexander Romanov has a forearm choke win in his record, <laughs> and he's going against a guy who isn't. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Alexander Romanov from like the 1700s too? And wasn't he like a professional hockey player? There's too many Alexander Romanovs through the history of time. Hey, this this one's called King Kong, and he's a fat white guy from uh, <laughs> Belarus or something like that. I'm, I'm sick Mol- dog. Moldova. He's from Moldova. Sick dog. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask this last week, but we just we're running out of time. But uh, you know, listen, it's a pandemic. We're playing catch up a little bit. There's TV deals in play and all that business of in MMA. One million percent is not my strong suit. But Jed, we have a UFC event. If my memory is accurate here. Every weekend through December 12th on the book. So we're not going to get any breaks anytime soon. And we've glanced over this topic a time or two when it comes to these cards getting put together. This is a perfect example of what we have in a pandemic. We're still going to watch. It's our jobs or fanatics. That's just the way it is. But I think we're all in agreement. And you mentioned this last week, Jed, that there's just too many events. Like we have no time to even miss MMA or miss the UFC. Not to mention on top of that, we got contender series, which I love adding in Bellator, LFA, you know, all these other regional events, so forth and so on. Fight it's a circus. lot to keep up with. Don't forget to Fight add circus, in Fight Circus, Cam Soda. Very important. Jed, how would you do it? Like, if you became the UFC commissioner in charge of scheduling events, how would you do it? Like, how would you make this better for everybody? I mean, from a business standpoint, this is exactly how they do it. Their, their contract requires them to get X amount of events delivered each year so they can get a ton of money from ESPN. So they're going to rifle them out because they missed six weeks of events. They're just going to fire them off. That's fine. Like I, it, my, for, for fan entertainment and my viewing pleasure, I think, you know, having two events uh, a month was a really nice cadence. It let you have personal time. You got to have Saturdays to do things. That was nice. Oh, those days. I remember them well. Uh, but you still got big fights and you could have a fight night that was interesting or fun or, and then you could have the one big pay-per-view or big time event each month. I think that's a better cadence. Honestly, I actually, I think that you can do this. You can do weekly fights. They just need to not do it on Saturdays. Like that's the problem. I know Saturday is fight night, but 
do this on like a, a Thursday, a Wednesday. Everyone's stuck home anyway. You can watch it. Then it's just like watching football. Like that'd be way more fun as a viewer. Like, oh, okay, I got nothing to do on Wednesday night. What am I gonna do? Watch a rerun of Law and Order SVU? Nah, I'll watch. I'll watch Augusta Sakai for God knows what reason. Fight Alistair Overeem in a bout that actually matters in the year of our Lord 2020. What would you do, Jose? I would just make it real bizarre and just stack like every single card would just be one way class. So you get 12 heavyweight fights, or, like 12 <laughs> lightweight fights or just something bonkers like that. So everyone weighs the same. If a fight falls out, you got a guy right there. Say two guys, both of their opponents test positive for COVID. Boom. Make that fight right there. Just or toss a bunch of names in a hat and pull them out. Uh, just do something weird like that. And then they're all on the same timeline. And if we're going to live in a world where the lightweight, where, where rankings matter and titles matter in the UFC, they're all of a sudden all on the same time frame. So just give me 12 heavyweight fights inside a small cage and then 12 strawweight fights in a massive cage and just make it super bizarre and super weird. Uh, let's do that. Then give me 12 women's featherweight fights so we can actually have a yeah. women's featherweight division. 100%. That'd be good. Or just have, like, Rose Namajunas stand on the shoulders of Jessica Andrade <laughs> and have her fight Amanda Nunes. Or just something weird like that. Those who have listened to the show from the very beginning know that chaos always pays off. Always mm -hmm. pays off. So Jose has earned the final point of regulation. We're going to the knockout round. Big surprise to our viewers. We'd love to comment on it, but... uh. It's a title unification bout, and it's my show, and I want to hear more. We're going to do it. I will say, to be perfectly honest here, I had another question lined up, but things have changed over the last, I don't know, 20 minutes or so in my viewing. So we have a new question that I'm going pretty much off the cuff with. But, Jed, you're the champion. You hold the cards. Do you want to go first? Do you want to go last? Oh, I, uh, I will allow the challenger to get the first word in because it will be his last. Okay. Mm. I will, I will have you know that the original question was going to be about Oscar De La Hoya coming back. Oh, I have, oh, I have, no one, I have takes on that. So. Okay, no, well, one we, wants, we, no one wants to talk about that. I do want to hear Jed's takes, and maybe we'll do so at the end. But we found out around an hour ago as we record that former WWE and UFC champion Brock Lesnar is currently a free agent as his deal with WWE has come to an end. The two sides are not able to come together on a new deal so that means Brock Lesnar's floating around doing God knows what so I mean he could obviously go to ADW I don't think they're going to be able to afford him but that opens things up a little bit does it not when it comes to the world of MMA Brock Lesnar A Jose is there a chance he comes back and if so if Dana White can pull a rabbit out of his hat and get Brock Lesnar back what's the fight well, it's Brock Lesnar is going to go wherever Brock Lesnar wants to go. For all of this, oh, he's loyal to the UFC. Brock Lesnar is loyal to who pays the most. He is every definition of the word a mercenary for whoever shells out the most green. Don't care who he fights. I just want to see a giant white King Kong fight inside of some sort of ring or octagon. I would absolutely freaking love it if all of a sudden he was inside of a ring and just throwing human beings over ropes into crowds do 12 on one and he can do it just give him give them weapons and i'll watch that fight don't want everyone's gonna say francis ngannou don't want to see that if they want to run it back with cain velasquez fine i guess that's a thing if they want to toss him over uh in bellator and have him fight fedor i mean i everyone wants that fight 
Daniel Cormier is a fun fight, but I personally want to see him fight John Jones because at heavyweight, because that's every definition of the word, a weird fight. That is a man who is physically gifted in every sense of the word, Brock Lesnar, against probably the fighter with the highest fight IQ inside the octagon, not outside the octagon, and John Jones. I just love those odd, goofy fights uh, and clash of personalities and fighting style, but don't really care. If Brock Lesnar never fights ever again, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. All right, Jed, how, how do we do this right? How do we do this? Brock Lesnar, if, if we're up to you, if you're the MMA genius here, where does he go? Who does he fight? Well, first, just to address Jose really quick, if what you want to watch is some giant white King Kong fight, you're in luck because Alexander Romanov's fight nickname is King Kong. <laughs> so tune in on Saturday. You're getting your wish. Uh, this is never happening. Uh, Brock Lesnar is really good at a couple of things. The thing he is the best at is leveraging the UFC to get more money out of Vince McMahon. He's done it successfully for several years now, and that's all this one is. If, by some strange happenstance, it happens, this is the fight. This is the fight that gets Daniel Cormier back one more time. I know a couple of weeks ago when I was defending my title because I'm the champion, we had addressed how do we get Daniel Cormier back, and it was maybe a John Jones fight at heavyweight. Nope, Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar comes back. That fight makes sense. DC will get one more chance to go out on top. Big fight, big fight for both of them. Two old guys. No one wants to watch John Jones, you know, point Brock Lesnar to death. That's a dumb idea, Jose. Give me DC, Brock Lesnar. Book it. Interesting. Interesting. Can I get your take on Oscar De La Hoya, Jed, before I make my final decision? <laughs> it has nothing to do with the points, but go ahead. I've, I've been lied to before that this has nothing to do with the points, but... I will say, if De La Hoya is going to come back, uh, and I know Ali Abdelaziz actually tweeted about this yesterday or over the weekend, let him box Henry Cejudo. Who cares, man? <laughs> like Henry Cejudo really wants to do something weird and dumb other than fight at the bantamweight division. So he wants to box. He's never going to actually get to fight like a real top boxer, but De La Hoya still beats him. So why not? Like That's kind of a fun, interesting crossover fight that at least has some appeal um, insofar as Oscar De La Hoya at 50 boxing has any appeal whatsoever. All right, it's a good take. The king of hot takes coming through here with uh, his thoughts on Oscar De La Hoya. It sucks not having to throw this to Casey to make the decision because now I have to weigh it all. Like, I already get enough shit for... You know, the round-by-round round decisions, but I have to make this final decision, too. That's half the reason why I wanted to do the show this way, is I don't have to deal with the finals. But uh, the winner of this week's Between the Links, and still, BTL champion, Jed Mishu. Yeah, gets it done. I'm exactly sure if and still met me. Well, you're the one that cried that wasn't looking fondly on interim titles, so. I mean, I agree, but I can't speak for you, and maybe you were just going to say, <laughs> and still, interim title, which means nothing, Jose Youngs. It could have been what you were going to say. No, I was going to say Neil Magny is a top five welterweight of all time, but I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> <laughs> just not true. <laughs> but a great battle. This is everything I hoped for and more. It's like buying a Toyota in the 90s. Jed, 30 seconds, talk about whatever it is you want to talk about, good bad and different jose had that look on his face he's too young to understand that reference but uh go ahead jed what do you want to say well i actually was gonna talk about oscar de la Hoya, um and now that's that wind has been uh taken from my sales so i guess the thing i'll talk about is ufc 253 because 
I know that we bagged on this card upcoming this weekend, and even the one next weekend is not as great. After that, you do get Covington Woodley, which is at least a big fight. But all of this is building to UFC 253, and I gotta say, I I love the promotional push they're putting behind this. I know Adesanya is, you know, their future golden goose, and I think that they've been building him well. He's a great dude. He's got a really great story and a tremendous fighter. And I, we talked about it before, I think Paulo Costa is the most interesting test form in the division. So I love that they're giving this kind of the full court press for a month. Uh, and it's just going to keep building. It's just going to get better. This is the kind of, you know, 252, I didn't get that pump for. I'm going to be really excited when this fight finally rolls around. Jose, any uh, any final thoughts? Anything you'd like to get off your chest? Well, I definitely didn't lose. Uh, to say Sugar Sean, to quote Sugar Sean, I may have the L on paper, but I'm still undefeated <laughs> up here. Full blown conspiracy. This is all against the movement that I am champion. Of course, I will be a four time champion too. Actually, no, I never lost. I am still and still <laughs> undefeated and undisputed. Jed Mishu, I think that's his name can carry around whatever he wants to carry around, but we all know I am the victor. He can go back to portraying Squid from Rocket Power. You can rent him somewhere down south if you have a Rocket Power-themed birthday, and he can do whatever he wants with whatever belt he carries around, but I am still undefeated and undisputed. I would go to a Rocket Power-themed birthday. Well, you would have to because you would be cosplaying as Squid. I accept these terms. So <laughs> call, call, call my management. I accept that. I'm in. Wow. We come to an agreement at the end. Rocket Power put, brings us all together. So. We can all agree that Rocket Power is pound for pound one of the top, the best cartoons Nickelodeon's ever put out. Done. I think we can all agree with that. One of or the best? One no, I still put Hey Arnold above there because Hey Arnold yeah. rules. Rocket hey. Power, I probably put two. Doug's really good too. Doug yeah. is good. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm in with all of those decisions. <laughs> I accept that. I mean, you short shrift to Rugrats, just. Real veteran in the game, there. Yeah, but... Rugrats is Rugrats is like the Hoist Gracie. It's like really it's good, and then everything caught up with it, and it just ended up. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a fair. That's the best point he's made all night. When we started talking <laughs> cartoons. My kid's on a Phineas and Ferb trip. I don't know if you guys ever watched that. I think I've heard of th- those two faces. Yeah. Yes. It looks like they took a shark fin and put eyes on it. Right? Is that yes. that guy? Yep, I think you're right. But he loves that thing. But. Uh... And I love doing this show, but we'll be back to normal next week. Casey and Esther can enjoy their vacation, but then we're going to put them, put their asses to work to put this back on YouTube, get the video going. But uh, great episode. I'm glad we're able to do this. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening. For Jed Mishu, Jose Youngs, I am Mike Heck. We'll see you back once again next week between the links. Love you guys. Apology accepted. <laughs> this has been Between the Links with your host, Mike Heck. Brought to you by MMA Fighting, a production of Vox Media. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. 
Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit Anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.